Welcome to the Motorsports in Focus podcast. I'm your host, David Santiago, joined by my co-host and producer, Joe McKinney. Hope you enjoy. All right, and we're back again. Joe, how you doing? I'm just fine. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. Just pretty good? Yeah, pretty good. Well, I mean, it's not, that doesn't sound like a full emphasis. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good, man. Like, it was I'm, kind of a, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm tired, if I'm honest. But, uh... <laughs> yeah. Got stuff going on at home yep. that I've been busy with, and uh, kid on the way, or yep. very close to here, and uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes with that. So yeah, oh yeah, yeah, very much so. Mentally draining as well. So. Yes, but exciting. Yeah, the physical exhaustion doesn't kick in until after the kid is born. Um, the mental exhaustion is ever present post announcement, pretty much. Like when it starts to, there's a, there's a stage that it starts to feel real, and you're like. Okay, uh, we're gonna prepare. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do this, and then you, you either you don't do it or you do do it, and no matter what happens, there's no sense of relief. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, we we've gotten to the point now where uh, we hit that that first threshold of like, oh wow, okay, we're inside a month, and it's not that because the doctor gives you you know the proposed or suggested I don't know what you call it uh, theoretical due date. Yes, and you're like, okay, you know. That date, got it. Yep. That's uh, that far away. Yeah. And then you get within like a month and a half, and you're like, and you start like talking to people who have had kids before, and they're like, oh yeah, my kid came like a month early or this many weeks around. Yeah. You're like, whoa, 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 what? Oh, it could, it could literally, <laughs> we could be recording this podcast, and you could get a call like, we need to go. Yeah. So that is, um, that's a different, uh, it, it for some reason, you know, it's out of my head, out of my head, and then we get inside this month and a half. I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. This could happen technically any time right now. Yeah. And that is a different feeling. Oh, we were, we were very fortunate because we went in for a checkup. Uh, my wife made it past due, or past due date, rather. Um, and we went in for a checkup, and they were like, uh, we got to get this thing out now. Like, oh, wow. Now. So uh, here's your appointment. You're coming back tomorrow at this time. Okay. <laughs> there, you, there you go. So it was, it was like a dead set, like nice, strict time frame that we were just like, yes, we're going to the hospital now to have a baby removed essentially <laughs> like, you know it, it 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 sounds morbid but it's like no that it, it just that's how c-sections work so all yeah. of a sudden it's like boom there you go and yeah. and there's a kid <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh no it's all going good it's, it's for the right reasons you know tired uh, so yeah oh but, it'll all be worth it oh i i am genuinely excited though so i'm looking forward to it but it's just taking up a lot of time right yes now. it does yes um but we did have uh, a good weekend in motorsports uh, I think uh, predominantly this conversation is going to be dominated by F1, uh, but we also a change. Had, yeah, but well, we also, probably because there was no IndyCar. Yeah, no IndyCar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll get into that actually. That's an interesting point. Uh, but then we also got IMSA Motorsport and uh, WC at Monza. But Formula One, mm-hmm. we had a pretty good race. I we had a really good race. Yeah, like I was very entertained. And I've I've gotten to the point with Formula One. I'm, I've gotten to the point in a Formula One season because it comes every season, where I am now an ever pessimist. I'm just I, I go into the race like this is gonna be crap. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be boring. Nothing's gonna happen. It's gonna be the same thing over again. It's just gonna be hot garbage. And then we were delivered something that wasn't that. It was it was quite nice. There was a lot of action. There was good racing. There were some stupid moves, uh, Lance Stroll, uh, and then there was uh, a unique um, kablamo, I guess, that kind of spiced up the end of the race. Yeah, you know? yeah. There, there was there was a lot of good entertainment value in a short period of time. And the British fans, man, for Formula okay. One, real, yeah. 
they are very passionate. And it is amazing. I guess Formula One, a lot of the teams are headquartered in England. and It used to be something like 9 out of 11. I don't know yeah. how many are there now. I mean, this was years ago, but I, I would imagine most of them haven't changed. I think the only ones that aren't would be Haas, uh, Ferrari, obviously. No, I think Haas is, is uh, headquarters in England somewhere. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Because well. I want to say they took over somebody else's factory. I know, like, Force India was also, um, when they were, because, you know, they were an Indian team, right? But yeah, no, it was like, oh, all... they're headquartered. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought Haas was in the U.S., but I could be wrong about that. Um, I, I could just as easily be wrong. I, it's, it's but just, either way, they're yeah. mostly based in England, 100%. and the English are very passionate about F1, uh, and always have been about motorsport, really. But I have to ask the question, do you think the fan noises are piped in from the actual race, or is that like, okay, Haas is uh, based in North, North Carolina. Carolina. Yep. That checks out, because that's right, because they are also a NASCAR team. Mm-hmm. And that's probably where that's all yeah. set up. Yeah, I just didn't think the F1 headquarters shared the same, but I guess they do. Um, so uh, a very good uh, Formula One podcast um, that I listen to, I used to listen to regularly, um, that I now listen to every once in a while when I just run out of other podcasts to listen to, was talking about it, there, and they're based out of the Isle of Man. The podcast is Three Legs, Four Wheels for anybody that wants more Formula One content. They're very good. Um, but... They're based out of the Isle of Man, have been to Silverstone many, many times. And what they said is, no, that's actually how loud Silverstone is. Wow. It is insane how loud it is. He, they, he said the they take the same mic, same audio setup that they would use at anywhere else, Austria or Italy or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just that the English are that rabid and Silverstone is that insane. <laughs> I can't imagine it. <laughs> I, I mean, I can, man. Like, that's... Think about college football, right? Yeah. Uh, they are ridiculous. Like, there are college football stadiums that have registered on the Richter scale for nearby. Really? Yeah. Nearby scientists, I guess. I, whatever you want to call okay. it. Like, okay. Yeah. They, like, fans are insane. Now, I'm not sure what, why there's so much to cheer about for Formula One. Like, I've never been that excited about a pass. Yeah, never. I've but never I'm cheered. also, like, I think we both are. We're... Not intentionally, but we're sort of the journalist type when it comes to rooting for Formula One. Just observing. Yeah. 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 It's just like I'm just watching the sport and enjoying the racing rather than having like my wife's asked me for, oh, who do you normally root for? I'm like, Alonzo, but that's like traditionally that doesn't mean anything. So, yeah, you know, I'm not I, I just enjoy the sport. Yeah. We're just kind of there. Yeah. But there in. are a lot of people that are like dedicated Mercedes fans or dedicated Lewis fans or whatever, you know. Yeah. Also, I mean, to some extent, you kind of have to be to purchase an F1 ticket and get into those grandstands because it's so expensive. Yeah. You are that person who's buying the merchandise. So general the admission does not get you in those stands, correct? No. Okay. No, 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 no. Definitely not. <laughs> and it is not our type of uh, racing event, let's say, because of that reason. Yeah. I hate the idea of purchasing a grandstand ticket, but I don't know. The idea of sitting in one place for that long well, to watch it, the same corner. It's got to drive your photographer blood to a boiling point. Absolutely. It, you know what? It, th- maybe that's what it is, but it, that would feel like a prison because you'd be like, wow, something really cool happened over there, Yeah, and I'm here. I've been here the whole time. The only way I could see it uh, being a good option is – if you know the track well, you've walked the track multiple times, you've seen 
those cars at that track multiple times to then sit there and have a big screen in front of you. I don't know if they do put a big screen near enough. They like probably near, do in a couple locations. But like if you had one like like you're sitting in your living room type of thing, yeah. but then you also have F1 cars going by live. That, okay, yeah, I get that. They do that at Sebring, and I will say it's quite nice. I like to do that at the start. I'll go up in the grandstand at Sebring. And you had to buy a special ticket for that, right? You do not. Oh, No, okay. no. And Sebring also has plenty of mounds that you can stand on and see very well. Yes. You don't need grandstand. Anyway, I don't want to go. I, I, I hate the idea of grandstands. Like That's I said. one thing I have never understood about the engineering behind a racetrack. Mm-hmm. It is so simple to make the viewing more pleasurable for the fans. Absolutely. Just, I mean, it's yes, it costs money to move Earth, but you're already building a racetrack. Move some damn Earth. Make a make all an you incline. need are mounds. Yes, they're perfect. Yeah, you can set up a chair. You're yep. good to go. Yep. You want to move over there? You move over there. Yeah. First come, first serve. Right. It's beautiful. Yeah. Hundred percent recommend mounds. <laughs> ten out of you're ten. You're here first. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. Yeah, I don't know. It it really bugs me, and I hate watching F1 sometimes, and you see, like, around the track, there's not a lot of people, like, actually there. Um, and that's, like, a pet peeve of mine. I, I I hate the idea of, like, restricting access to fans. They should have pretty much I, access around the entire outside of the track. I do wonder, though, if Formula 1 is so big um, that they have to be really careful with how close. Like, you know, as much as we love to, to praise Sebring, the 12-hour, or even... Rolex a little less so, but as much as we love to praise how big the 12-hour is, that sport is not big enough to have malicious fans, if you will, that are trying to sabotage cars as they go by. I could totally see some D-bag fan just deciding to throw a wrench onto the circuit from the side of the... Like, because they were close enough, because it's Formula One and they could see, like... Instant news. It's instant. Yeah. Like it's just. It's a big enough deal to do that. Where it doesn't strike me as like somebody does that at an IMSA race doesn't make any news, right? Yeah. So maybe that's part of the issue. Maybe that's why they don't have that type of stuff and they can't allow that type of stuff. But it is a shame either way. Yeah, I think it, that could be part of it, and I think that's definitely true of uh, overhead walkways, like at Indy and St. Pete. When you go over that walkway, they're going to tell you like you can't bring that drink up here. You can't bring that across the bridge and you're just like oh my god but sebring you do whatever you want you yeah go wherever you want it doesn't matter um so i think it could be a little bit of that and i think it needs definitely a bigger series oh yeah race by race than right. uh uh imsa but um yeah i think that could be a bit of it but like on the outside of the tracks like for example i think it was the saudi race that quote-unquote street circuit um yeah, I remember it being so bland that I don't remember it. And I couldn't I couldn't see any fans like alongside. There were some grandstand areas. Yeah. But there was like no general admission up against the fence type stuff, which I think is just I it's hate a, that. There is such a good joke to be made right now that just <laughs> not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um back to the race itself. Yeah. Lando what a race, man. Super happy for him. Also, also the start. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I agree. And so I, there's a interesting, not a conspiracy theory, because that makes it sound... Um, I like it. I like it. Let's go with that. Okay. Makes it sound more malicious than it is, or okay. more, more um, nefarious, I guess is a better, better way to describe it, um, that Max allowed Lando to get ahead of him because 
he knew that he didn't get a very good start, and his only job was to cover off Piastri because he can't let two McLarens get ahead of him, but one of them he's going to pass, so it didn't matter, which is why he didn't fight Ma- or didn't fight Lando the way he had to fight Piastri. So what does Max gain out of that? Guaranteeing that he doesn't get beat by both. If he battles Lando too much hmm. and and makes a mistake, yeah. then there's a good chance that Piastri and Lando get ahead of him. Whereas all he has to do is say, yeah, Lando, go ahead. And then, of course, Piastri is going to stay behind me. Mm. I'll catch Lando later. Which, is, which, if that's the case, and if that was the strategy, that's an incredibly good amount of patience from Max mm-hmm. and Racecraft. I don't know how true it is. I don't really... If I feel like... And I don't know in the moment if, that's, if, if a driver is even capable of thinking like that. But... You know, it may have been beaten into his head like, look, dude, you, th- we know what these cars can do because they were fast in qualifying. Yeah. Really fast in qualifying. So there's a good chance that somebody like Christian Horner told him, like, just do not lose both positions. Whatever it is, do not lose both. But the start was fantastic. I mean, the battle yeah. was fun to watch. I I am really impressed with Piastri after this race. I mean, I, I thought he did an unbelievably good job of proving that he belongs at the top end of that field. I don't think he's sitting there. I'm not. I'm not saying he's the fifth best driver on the grid or something like that. But you're not going to see Lance Stroll in that scenario, or you're not going to see obviously Nick DeVries. There's some news with that one, but yeah. you know, like some of those guys are guys that have come through before that have had opportunities in some of the nicer cars, like Stoffel Van Dorn or or Nicholas Latifi, maybe. Like even if they got in that situation, none of those guys are going to race the way that Piastri did. And it was nice to see Piastri go like, look, no, I, I can hang with these guys. I'm here. Watch me. Yeah. I think it's always good for those guys, too, to actually get an opportunity. You know, because not that long ago, those guys were Hamilton. They were Vettel. Mm-hmm. They were, uh, you know, all these drivers. They have to have some breakthrough in their career where yeah. they actually get seen. Right. Um, but it's just really nice to see that McLaren has provided them a car to do that. It's you crazy. Know? I mean, they said they said that this is, and this is only fifty percent supposedly of the upgrade. There's another fifty percent upgrade to come. I mean, we've heard how many years over and over and over again that oh yeah, well we're bringing a big upgrade. This should help us, and then nothing changes. Yeah, McLaren just brought a big upgrade. Said this is only fifty percent, and then just damn near won the race. And they're going, yeah, there's still more. It's like, <laughs> guys, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't get me too excited. Yeah, yeah. I wonder though. I think that's typically because everybody brings an upgrade. So unless your upgrade is better than someone else's upgrade, you're in the loser category. Yeah. And I wonder if they've caught Red Bull off guard with this upgrade. Maybe Red Bull was like, hey, our car's so good. We'll make some tweaks, you know, refine mm-hmm. bits and pieces. And they didn't expect anybody to make a big jump. Because also Mercedes has clawed some ground back. And in contrast, Aston Martin have kind of not yeah. seen the you, success that they saw at the beginning of the season. Did you hear what Mercedes announced that they're doing now? No. They are not going to continue any further development on the 2023 car. Okay. Hold, hold on. So after Hamilton makes the comment that they should ban the development of next year's car? Uh, yes. They should not let people do that? That's exactly what Mercedes is doing? Is yes. that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. And they're giving up on the season while they're, like, what, third in the constructors? I don't know if that's, like, encouraging or worrying coming from Mercedes. I also don't know how true it is for them to be saying that. This is this is Mercedes, after all. They are well known for um, 
fib fibbing? <laughs> I to could, put it lightly. Yeah, it could be a bluff. Um, that's weird, though. Or is it an excuse for not doing very well? They're not doing that bad, though. To be to be completely honest. No, not by the standards. Of, okay, they are second in the championship. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I I don't. They know. are completely out of. First, there's oh, no yeah. chance. Yeah, unless something so, catastrophic happens to the Red Bulls, it is no. totally sealed up. It's 411 points to 203 points. Yeah. They've more than doubled. Yeah. the The only thing that could happen is if Max gets taken out a couple times. That's it. The, yeah, but and, even then, you still need Hamilton and Russell to both finish in the top five. One of which wins. Yeah, At, like you can't like no, it's gone already because we're pretty much at the halfway point of the season. Yeah. Well, we're I think. Yeah, we're pretty much at halfway or just past halfway. Yeah, so you've been doubled up on only halfway through the season. Yeah. It's over. Yeah, fair the enough. Constructors is over. Fair enough. But um, it is interesting to see, you know, like I said, the Aston Martin hasn't improved as much. And I'm sure they're improving, you know, and I'm sure the car's still good. But everyone else has caught up to whatever they had mm-hmm. and maybe surpassed them. Although it was also a weird race in that Ferrari kind of languished. Um. They got beat by a Williams? Yeah. So, yeah, which... They, they did. For one... They also had... They also Ferrari'd themselves really hard. Well, they're really good at that. Yeah, they are. The F1 like, team especially. I, if I'm Carlos Sainz, I am getting my ass out of there as fast as I can possibly get out. Like, I, I will take any seat. Yeah. It's just not worth it because they won't listen to him. They, they're clearly screwing up his rate. Like, I would... Um, I, I, I've never been there. I have to imagine it is more infuriating to be that tantalizingly close to winning races and have it taken away by stupid decisions from your team than it is to not even be involved. Yeah, because at least... Because you're just going to lie in bed at night thinking about, what if we did this? What if this happened? Yes. What if this happened instead? Whereas if your goal was to get ninth and you got ninth, it's like, sweet. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that was that was actually fun. Yeah, yeah like yeah. I enjoyed that race. <laughs> like Alex Albon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's pretty happy right now. Yeah, he, he is loving life. Coincidentally, he is being rumored for the Ferrari seat. Huh. Really? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's some silly science seat. It's it's sounding like science is yeah. gone. Like I can't imagine cuz Leclerc was at Le Mans with Ferrari Science wasn't. Leclerc is a Ferrari kid. Like yeah. he is yeah. through and through go- he's not going anywhere. They yeah. are not going to do it. Which is stupid on Ferrari's part because Science is a better driver than Leclerc. We've we've watched it over and over and over again. Science was arguably a better driver as the B driver when he was with Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Than Leclerc with as the a the the definitive a driver at Ferrari, and then Sainz comes to Ferrari and starts outclassing Leclerc. And the thing that what what the the biggest most obvious thing for me watching Sainz when I watch these races is something Leclerc does not do that Sainz does exceptionally well. And the reason why I think he's a better driver and a team if I'm a team principal I'm calling him up not Leclerc is because at the end of the day. He knows what's going on around them, and he's trying to make calls based on the car on, on what the cars around him are doing. He's making observations saying, look, he's still driving quickly, and he's going, guys, I think we need to be on this position because this guy's doing this. I'm hearing this on the radio, whatever. Like He is calculating as he's driving, very much like Vettel used to do, yeah. like Hamilton always did. You know, these like He is doing the world championship type of thinking while driving at a very fast pace. Leclerc never does that. Leclerc is just a team orders guy. Whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, I think Leclerc is a is a number two driver with number one speed. 
That I think is an, an accurate description. I think that's fair. Um, but I think I think he's good for Ferrari. I think he's a better Ferrari driver than Signs. I think based off what you said, I think Signs could do better somewhere else that would value that. I agree. And not Ferrari because that doesn't work at if Ferrari. If someone unleashed it like a, a great place, a fantastic place for assuming Alonso stays, a fantastic place for Signs would be at Aston Martin. Replace Stroll. Yeah. Because they're going to listen to him. You now have two Spaniards on the team. He like he, he grew up idolizing Fernando Alonso. He's going to learn everything he possibly can from Fernando. Fernando, I would imagine, is going to want to mentor somebody at, at that age. You know, that's just the nature of yeah. as you get older, you want to be in that position. If I'm signed, I am calling Lawrence Stroll and saying, what do I have to do to get your son out of that seat? <laughs> and, it, and he's probably like, not much, man. Like, he's going to be gone anyway. Yeah. I think that would be... Uh... I think that'd be good as a two-man setup too, because two Spaniards like that, I can't help but think they're they'd be pretty good friends and not jeopardize each other's races. I don't. Yeah, I don't see. You I know, they've always I been. Think that's they've always conducted deal. themselves very well around each other on the track too. I mean, it's the, yeah. I I think the whole Rosberg Hamilton dynamic that we had, which was good for entertainment, was terrible for the team. Oh yeah, um, Total Wolf had to have aged by like thirty-eight years in those eight years. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that'd pretty be a pretty good setup actually. But then who goes to Ferrari? Do you think? You I think, think it'd Albon? Be Albon? Yeah, I think it's Albon. Hmm. Which I think is a fine. Move That's for a heck Ferrari. of a jump. Williams to Ferrari. Well, yeah, and if like I guess George Russell made some comments after Albon got canned by Red Bull or had the drama with Red Bull. Yeah, like yeah. guys, you're screwing this up. Like Albon's fast. You're making him look worse than he is. Mm. So the, I think all the drivers on the grid know how fast Albon is. It's kind of like Gasly as well, right? Like, how often are we yeah. sitting back saying, "Goodness, Gasly's fast!" Like, well, yeah, I remember he he had that success too, and in, in the I think it was even in the Alphatari. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. and then after that, just I think he had of... multiple podiums like two years ago in the Alphatari. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, hmm. I there's some some big rumors going around with the silly season. Uh, one thing not to get away from Silverstone. No, we'll no, come yeah, back. I know what you're going to say. Go but for it. I, I, it just fits right now. Daniel Ricciardo is being announced at, to replace Nick DeVries with Alpha Tori. Um, yeah. Okay. We got to talk about this though, because just first off, if you were Ricardo, yeah, and especially after I think the whole Netflix thing kind of made it out to seem like, not that there was bad blood with him at Red Bull, just it wasn't a good fit at Red Bull. Okay. Right. I didn't watch the the Drive to Survive. Because oh, because the problem is I followed every race and yeah. a lot of the drama behind the scenes, so I'm like, this is a replay. Yeah, so it, I I have a hard time rewatching. It's just it. it's just drama. I don't know how much of it's true or just drummed up for the show, but yep. I even so, it'd be weird to leave a team and then it's not like he's been racing for. I guess he did race for McLaren for a bit and Renault, but I don't know. It's just weird to come back to Red Bull and then join the junior team. Isn't that kind of weird? No. Why? Because it's a tryout. But wouldn't it's, you it, be it, thinking, it, if you're Ricardo, that the exact same thing that happened last time is going to happen again? No, I think I think what happened last time is he was here. He and I I think justifiably so thought that he was on equal ground to Max. Mm-hmm. I would imagine now he's sitting back, going, "No, I'm not that driver." He's a very, very good Formula One driver. Potential world champion speed. Okay. Max is potential greatest of all time type of speed. 
Yeah. But I think he's sitting back going, I made the mistake thinking grass is greener on the other side. Went to Red Bull. I went to or, uh, Renault and McLaren. Neither of them worked out. I know what it's like to not be in the top car. Let me get do whatever I can to get my ass back in the top car and fight, at least fight for a world championship. So, but and don't if you I think... have to do that by stepping into the, the quote-unquote junior team, and that's the only way to do it, then do it. And I don't blame him at all for making that decision. If, if anything, it is exactly the right decision for his career. Get me back in that seat. Because who else is going to take it? If you're Ricardo, are you, do you want to go to Ferrari? If that's the vacancy, right? Like if Ferrari says, no, we don't want Albon, we'll take Ricardo. Would you rather go there? Or would you rather sit half a season in Alpha Tori and then get off for the Red Bull seat? It's hard to say. If it was me, I would take the Ferrari seat. But yeah. I'm not... I am that person that would do that. So that I think that I would cast that out as like, that doesn't, it's not valid for this argument. So you would do it out of spite almost. Yes. I am that, I would be that person. I'd be like, screw your Red Bull. I'm not going back. And also, yes, please. I'd like to race for a Ferrari. That would be me. But what the thing that I but don't, don't you ultimately want to win the world championship? I'm just, I'm probing you for just a moment. Like, yes. Ferrari's however, not winning it. I know. I understand that. Okay. But I would be that person that, I would race for Ferrari just to have the prestige of racing for Ferrari. Oh, I understand. I that. think that's awesome. Do that at the end of your career. Yeah. After you've accumulated I, a world championship. Ideally, career. ideally, yeah. But like I said, I throw that out for now. That's just me being me. Yep. Um, I just don't see like what's Ricardo's best case here. He becomes Nico Rosberg when he was at Mercedes. Okay, you know? so he snatches one world championship. That's one more than he's got now. That's fantastic for him. Are you kidding? You know how happy he'd be to have a, a single world championship? Like, I don't know. I just don't see him as that guy. I see him as a number one at one of these teams. I don't see him as the number two guy that can take, maybe take, snatch a championship Take the 2017 or 2016, whatever, however long ago it was, view of Ricardo out of your mind. Okay. Because that's what's happening right now, I think, is you're sitting back going, we know how fast he is. We know that guy is world championship material. Dude, I'm telling you right now, that's not what he's at. He lost a Formula One seat. He's not driving in Formula... Well, now he's about to be, but he's for the entire season, and actually last season as well, right? He was not in Formula One last season. I don't think so. So it's a year and a half without a Formula One seat. That's humbling as all get out, man. You've got to be in that position where it's like, okay, yep, I was wrong. I've been defeated yeah. a little bit. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to kick some ass, and I'm going to fight for a world championship. And I think I think he's capable of stealing enough races off of Max. Max maybe gets a little bit of bad luck or gets flustered with a teammate that's just as fast as him. Because you got to remember, none of Max world championships, he's had a teammate that's been as fast as him. Checo was pretty good last year. <sighs> I don't... <sighs> but this year, nothing. No, I... The year prior, nothing. Yeah. So... We don't really know what kind of mental fortitude he's got when he's got to battle, like properly battle with somebody in the same car as him. I think he'd be better under pressure. Max or Daniel? Daniel. Okay. I think the more challenged, the better he'll be. But I'm trying to think back when he was at Red Bull when Max was there. And he was definitely more competitive than Checo is right now. Yeah, especially the last couple of races, Checo's been nowhere. Right, considering that he's in the same car as Max, he's been nowhere. Yeah, um, he's had some bad luck, but still, like, 
Max Max has won six consecutive races now, which, by the way, tied Sebastian Vettel's record yes. as the most races won continuously. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He he just this past race for the last what like four races did not lead a lap uh, had a period of time where he yes. was not the leader on the lap. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's when, been dominance. When you can't perform in that guy's car, you got a problem. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I do think Daniel. So don't you want to get in that? Don't you want to get in that car? I maybe I'm just uh uh, what's the word? Petty. What's the, no. What's the opposite of uh, optimist? Pessimist. Cyn- yeah. Well, maybe no. Cynical. I'm just cynical. Maybe. Okay. But I just I don't think the way Formula One is structured with the way teammates work that coming in as a number two, I just think you're going to get shafted. I just don't see so that. So what's working he doing in your Ferrari favorite. though? Like, or I, obviously he's not. I'm. Th- this was our yeah. comparison. Yeah. It's not a. It's not an option on the table. Yeah, yeah. But what would he be doing at Ferrari? I don't necessarily he, think Ferrari is a better pick, but I understand what you're saying. Is saying that's the open seat. Then where are you going to go? Yeah. I, I think it's probably true that I don't think there is a better open seat. You're saying for that, him to push into. Yeah. So this is probably the best path he can go down. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. This will get him race wins. Yeah. Like, he is the type of driver that will clean up. He, The Rosberg-Hamilton analogy is good without the without the drama. Barn, I don't think Max and Daniel are going to have that type of drama. I, I don't... I think Max is, is less petty than Lewis is, and I, I don't think Daniel is as much of a dick as Nico was. So I, I don't yeah. see that type of... Um, combativeness between the two of them i don't see that type of drama so the barring that i think the, the comparison's actually pretty accurate lewis and max are both about as fast as each other like world-class top five drivers of all time type speed both nico and daniel are plenty fast enough to pick up slack every time max or lewis had a problem with their car and they will win the race like if any any of you that are tired of Red Bull dominance, and if they put Daniel in the car, buckle up, man. Like it, you're you're just you're in for the ride. Red Bull's not losing races. Like yeah. they might lose one here or there, but we're gonna get right back to where it was with Mercedes and then McLaren prior to that, where they're winning 17, 19, 23, or I guess there's twenty three races, so seventeen, nineteen, twenty one races, and somebody steals one, yeah, or two, you know, like. Daniel is fa- plenty fast enough to clean up whatever issue Max has and and fast enough to steal a race here and there. There no. is going to be situations where Max just doesn't have it that week and Daniel does. And he's going to be fast enough to do that. This is all under the assumption that Checo doesn't figure it out and actually ends up getting booted from the seat. We We haven't seen this yet. This I, is all speculation. I all think, we know right now is that Daniel is is in AlphaTauri. He could bomb. <laughs> he hasn't been in a Formula One car for a year and a half, or well, hasn't been on a you know on the race grid for a year and a half. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird, man, because we've also seen drivers go to teams where they should have been really good. Like even when Vettel, uh, at the end of his career, was racing against Stroll, and he was kind of nowhere. You know, yeah. Stroll was outperforming him. Yeah, and so I think we're all kind of like, okay, that's kind of weird. Right. Um. So, I don't know. Daniel's not that old either, though. No, for sure. But this is more like when Vettel went to Ferrari as far as age comparisons are concerned. Yeah. But I don't really think age corresponds to speed. Clearly not. Yeah. (laughs) 
Kimmy, I mean, Kimmy uh, and Alonzo are, are Kimmy, Alonzo, even Lewis is yeah. what, 39 or something yeah. like that? 38? I mean, yeah. These guys are, yeah. But, um... The cars are a little bit easier to drive. They're not quite the workout they used to be. No, for sure, but... They're also in way better shape than they used to be. Cigarettes and hot dogs aren't a thing anymore. Yeah, they actually do, like, specific <laughs> workouts for driving cars, which is kind of amazing. Which is a bummer, because cigarettes and hot dogs seems like a great diet for a Formula One driver. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's a slight tangent. I remember uh, people go on too much about, like, the dignity of F1 and stuff, or, like, the prestige of it and stuff. People need just, to just stop. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that. It's just, gritty. It's, you know, it's not some, like, dog and pony show. So people need to thi- stop thinking that's what it is. That was always my biggest complaint. Overall, I thought it was a fantastic movie, Rush. Yeah. But that was my biggest complaint. They did not portray James Hunt in the way that he should have been portrayed. Yeah. He was so much more of a mess than <laughs> what that movie made him out to be. Yeah. But just in general, like, racing has yeah. always been gritty and stuff it's like a weird mix of gritty but it's super expensive there's a lot of rich people involved but it's you know it's not it's not like one of those horse things where the horses do like dances it it changed from wealthy individuals play things to a business yeah yeah that's true but so everything operates more like a business now rather than your nightclub yeah but still let's let's anyway back to back to ricardo i don't know man i just I think here's my prediction. I'll say it now. Yeah. My prediction is that he will eventually make it to Red Bull. Uh, I don't see Perez staying there, not with his performance this season. Or maybe he will. Maybe he's the perfect teammate. I don't know. Uh, but I think Ricardo will make it to Red Bull. And I think the exact same thing that we've seen previously will happen again. Um, just because, like you said, I think. Max is definitely within the zone of like greatest drivers of all time at this point. Yes. He's it and he's also in like perfect place at the perfect time zone. Yes. Um in the best car and he's just killing it and he's, he's just He's in his prime in the best car on the grid. Yeah, and he's just totally dedicated to uh he's just all about the racing the same way like Alonso and Hamilton are. We talked about how they're super detailed, you know, coming up with notes, all this. Yeah. Uh, Max in his downtime is like doing sim racing, and I saw in a, like an interview he did. They asked him like, "What do you do?" And he's like, "Oh, I do sim racing." And he's doing like legit pro sim races with the best teams in sim racing. Yes. And it was interesting because the way he was talking about, it, he's like, you know, these guys are extremely fast, and they race. He's racing the GT cars mostly, and you know, he actually has to sort of push himself to be competitive in these like endurance races that he does and all this in sim racing. Right. And I think I think you're definitely seeing that bleed into his racing in Formula 1 because he just seems on it and also just unfazed. Yeah, that was my that was the point I was going to get to next. Is more than anything what I see from him is he has completely switched to being pretty much unflappable. Yeah. Like be Making a complaint on the radio does not make him... That doesn't all of a sudden mean that he's panicked or anything like that. That just means that he has enough time to patiently bitch about something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he's not actually concerned. He's still like... I mean, he may be concerned, but he's just still dealing with it. You know, it doesn't affect his driving. Well, and what I really like the most about uh, Verstappen, and this is not me gushing over him or anything like that, but the thing that I really appreciate about when he is on, man... Even in a situation where he might question the team and it comes across on the radio where he's like, 
oh, guys, I really don't think these tires are right. It's, no, Max, stick to this plan. We're in good shape. Just roll with this. And it is immediate. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Like, there is no, like, no, 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 no. Like, there's, how many times did we watch it over the over the course of, both Nico and Lewis used to do it. They would sit there and, oh, no, it's still the wrong strat. And then four laps later, this is really the wrong strat. We're not doing And then they'd win. And it's like, yeah, just trust your team. I think they were Max, both cynical about that. I think they thought they were getting screwed over within the team. Maybe. That's my thought on that. Maybe. That, that's entirely possible. But, yeah. like, that's what I appreciate so much about Max is just that you can tell he's full-on committed to the team. Like, Red Bull loves him, and he loves Red Bull. Yeah. He just seems more professional about it because he takes it so seriously. But it's not that he takes, like, the results seriously. It's he's just, when he's in the car doing his job, he is in the car doing his job. Yes. That's it. Yep. There's no show. There's no, like, oh, I'm pissed off about this emotion. I mean, you get what I'm saying. There's still emotion, but it's not blown out of proportion. It's just, like, head down, get the job done, focused on doing the job. Yep. But my point in saying all this is that I do not see Ricardo being at that level, and I think he's destined to just repeat history at Red Bull and be the number two, get frustrated, and end up leaving. Yeah, I I agreed until you said get frustrated and end up leaving. I just maybe he'll get frustrated here and there with not being as fast as Max, but I I I think he's easy for me to say outside looking in. I've literally never looked the dude eye to eye, you know. But he's it it just he's older. He should have matured more. He should be in that situation where he understands. Look, I'm not that fast. That's not I'm not that guy. Like that's not me. Whereas when you're 24 years old, it's always you are that. I person. am that yeah. guy. I'm yeah. by far the. Everybody knows I'm the fastest. Yeah. Even like, just ask me. I'm faster than you. Like, <laughs> I don't think that's where he's at in his career anymore. Fair enough. Again, very easy for me to say without actually. Yeah, we're we're armchair yeah. team managing right now. Yeah. But uh, I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I do love silly season of Formula One though because it, it, the shakeups are very fun. Yeah, and it's. Because I would like the, to see some more new faces, though. By the way, yeah, not to not to bring IndyCar into a week that we don't have IndyCar. Alex Pelot has been doing a lot of testing with various Formula One cars. Oh, really? I would not be shocked to see him in a Formula One car next year. I could see that. That that does put IndyCar in a weird spot. It's like a Formula One feeder series. Well, yeah, but here's the problem: is look at all these Formula One drivers that come over and are stupid fast, like. Grosjean's been a little crashy this year, a little little bit off, but traditionally he's been really Grosjean. Yeah, right. But no, but no. Traditionally he's been pretty good in, in, since he joined IndyCar. Yeah, Ericsson's been very good since he joined IndyCar. They're quick. Rossi. Yeah. I mean, all these guys that were in Formula One. Well, I think you see a lot of the same patterns. You see them get into, uh, you see their same driving habits in Formula One, but in IndyCar because all the cars are equal, it's you don't see the lack of pace because they were in a slow car. Yeah. You see that they have the pace, but they still have all the other right. same traits. So, like, Grosjean puts himself in situations sometimes where you're just like, how'd that happen? Yeah, stick to <laughs> cooking. Um. <laughs> but, um, yeah, also at the beginning of the show when you mentioned we didn't have IndyCar this week, I wonder if we did have an IndyCar race, if we'd be saying, oh, IndyCar is just so much more exciting again. Or if I, this race I, really would have stood out. Let me put it this way. If this was on the same weekend as uh, Detroit, uh, which I've been... <laughs> well, that's a given for you. You yeah. did not like that race. No, 
No. And I have a feeling I'm not going to like the race this weekend because it's on another street circuit in, yeah. in Toronto. Yeah. It's just going to be just like all the other street races. Although we could be proven wrong. The racing could be really interesting. No, it won't. Okay. It won't be. Because was Long Beach interesting? No. Yeah. Street circuits are they're terrible. We're not we're not even going they're there awful. today. I hate them so much. Um I understand them, but I hate them. Yeah. So we already uh mentioned uh Albon with the P eight, uh head of the Ferraris, which yeah, is you know, just, Williams. Yeah. Just amazing. I feel like that got kind of glossed over. In, well, the, in the broadcast, you know? It, it did. And and something that will get glossed over unless we point it out was Logan Sargent was on it as well. He was having a fantastic race before he had some issues. I that, lo- that Williams car is getting there. I would love to see Williams back in the mix. Dude, I want Williams to be a world champion team again so badly. Like yeah. that I just love the idea of them getting up there and being like, no, we're we're back. Yeah. We have all of the history you could ever ask for. Yeah, we're back. I, it, like how much fun can you imagine? So let's say we have a new a new car, like full on new car, new engine platform and everything five years from now. And instead of Red Bull Mercedes, you have McLaren and Williams at the top again. That'd Sign awesome. me up, man. Yeah, I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> and then Ferrari poking around. Like I was so it was so nice to see McLaren competing again. Because I think we first often podium get podium since two thousand twelve, yeah. By the way, at Silverstone, which is a really important thing because yeah. you want to talk about a team with a home Grand Prix that's yes. like that's like that's like Ferrari not having a podium for eleven years at Monza. Yeah. That's a big morale boost for the team. Yes. And all the people who work at the factory. But yeah, it's I had a moment, though, when I was looking at the grid and I saw Albon in P8 above the Ferraris. And I think we get kind of jaded sometimes in Formula 1 where we're like, oh, you know, who's when we got Red Bull? And it's like, oh, it's just really Red Bull and Mercedes that even have a chance. But then when you really look at the grid, we've got Red Bull, Mercedes, McLaren, Williams, you know, all these really great teams. And this weekend, they were mixing it up. Yeah, 100%. Now, now granted, Red Bull still got the win in the end, but like, it was really great to see that. You know, Williams up there with Ferrari, and then just a, ahead of them, you know, you had Mercedes, you had the Red Bulls, McLarens. It's Logan Sargent, by the way, finished 11th. I, th- I thought he had an issue at the end of the race. This was not uh, for, uh, that put him in like 14th. He did f- finish where I thought yeah, so he was. So just outside the points. Yeah. Still midfield. Yeah. Think about 11th. that. Dude, midfield. I, I had a Botas, I had a Hulkenberg, I had a Stroll, I had a Guan Yu Zhou. Like, yeah, that's, that's a good finish for yeah. them. And um, and the two DNFs in Magnuson and o- or yeah Magnuson and Ocon, maybe Ocon finishes ahead of him, maybe, yeah, but Magnuson doesn't. Like that's a great race. That's a great performance from from Williams. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a good race, and it was also. I just want to point out real quick. Um, one of my pet peeves is uh, the uh, DRS stuff, and how it creates artificial passing, and. Mm-hmm. In those first few laps, and also I believe after the safety car restart, um, we had some decent racing, and it wasn't, you know, it was without DRS, so we didn't have to worry about the one second thing, and they were actually able to race each other, Yeah. and guess what, it didn't matter. Yeah. And then as soon as they get DRS, they just drive around them, and there's no battle whatsoever. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's why I'm a big proponent of one of two things either completely eliminate drs or completely unlimit drs yeah if you want to take the risk of trying to go around maggots and beckets without drs and if you think you've got the grip to do it the mechanical grip to do it go for it but if you screw up you're in the wall 
But isn't that weird though? It's like all of a sudden when they don't have DRS that they're forced to make a real move. And then when they have it, it changes your psychology, right? You go, oh, I've got DRS. I'll wait until this point yeah. where I use it, well, you see and that's it, my best passing You see it after the end of every safety car, right? You get a safety car period, and they run two to three laps, close battles. Granted, they're all bunched up by the safety car, yeah. but they're also still close battles. And then as soon as it says DRS enabled over the top center of your screen, the race just falls into a train again. Yeah, exactly. They they enter their respective places that they were before, and it just runs like yeah. that. I don't know. Just I thought I'd point that out. Also, the last thing, um, just to reiterate Red Bull's dominance this season. Okay. They have matched McLaren's record for consecutive wins at 11 wins in a row. They've won 11 races in a row? Well, it actually includes uh, one race at the end of last year as well. No one else has won a race this year? No. I guess I I didn't realize that. I didn't think much of it because it's just that sort of Formula One. You get that team at the top, yeah, and I didn't realize literally, that no one has won. Yeah. Hmm. So if they win one more, they will have set the record in Formula One history of most consecutive wins. Well, look at look at what happens when you give the single best aerodynamicist in the world who has been developing the single best aerodynamic car in the world for the last, what, 15 years, yep. 20 years? Yep. Oh, and the best racing boat in sailing. Like, the dude is it's ridiculous. He did, a, he did a sailing boat, too? He he runs the Team America Cup. Yeah, like, he, oh, really? he, he developed the Orca. What? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, the, he's a nut. Like, you want to talk about somebody that cool. understands physics? Yeah. Adrian Newey is insane. So, he's developing world championship vehicles. For the last 15, 20 years, whatever it is. So you get you match him with the best engine on the grid, and all of a sudden you're winning every race? Well, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah finally. Because yeah. like, what, what was always the downfall with Red Bull? They don't have the best engine. Yeah. They always had the good chassis. But now they got it all. They got the total package, and they're winning everything. Well, they got the driver, they got the chassis, and the engine. Yeah. So. Yep. <sighs> well... Hopefully, I hope that McLaren's pace continues to increase. This, I, I, I want to see them fighting for the win. It won't this week. Or is it this week or is it next week? I think it is coming up this week. Let me see. I have the app open. The next um, race? Yeah, the very next race. Let's see. No, so it's next weekend, July 21st through the 23rd, Hungary. Hungary okay. is not going to suit McLaren. But uh, Hungary yeah. is going to suit both Mercedes and Aston Martin. So, should be a good battle. I would not be shocked by it. It's always a good race. It's always yeah. one of the best on the grid. That's true. It, it What it does is allow the drivers to be the best drivers in the world. Whoever it is allows allows them to, to go and compete. Yeah. Well, looking forward to that. We also have this week to talk about uh, IMSA at Mosport. Okay. Which, uh, I have to say, Mosport's actually a pretty cool track. I didn't um, watch a lick of it. Didn't even get the highlights, so <laughs> I am... In for, uh, I, shall, I am in for the ride. I shall you. explain. Okay. So it was another one of those short races, um, which is kind of a bummer. Short short races? Yeah. Just a couple hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is fine, but uh, and I'm not sure most sport would necessarily uh, be suited for a big endurance race, but um, it is a really cool track. It's a lot of sweeping corners, high speed, Okay. Uh, which is... I think fun to watch. I don't know much about it. Is it comparable to anything that we would know in the U.S.? Uh, 
It's kind of like Barber. Okay. But more flowing. Not okay. as technical even as Barber. Okay. But um, I think it's got a lot of history back in the 60s, like racing Trans Am, Can-Am, stuff like that, which is how I recognized it. But uh, I've never actually watched one of the races there. Um, but yeah, so it's just cool to see the modern cars there and sort of a, a style of track that we didn't normally see. Even all the tracks that are still in existence now, um, they're really not that similar to the how they used to be formatted. There's been a lot of chicanes added, turns changed, right. so they're not as high speed and flowing. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, safety. Uh, to be fair, there were some incidents this race that were pretty sketchy. Yeah. Um, one of the Astons went into the wall pretty hard. Uh, one of the Cadillacs had a little tussle with a BMW, and at first in the replay, everybody thought he lost brakes and just went into the wall, and he just went into the grass a little bit um, into a high-speed corner to the right. He went off on the left in the grass, and he there's just no chance of him there's slowing no holding down. holding grip, yeah. Yeah, and uh, just went straight into the wall. And it was that was the Cadillac of uh, Ranger Van de Zander. Okay. Which, he's had a lot of big incidents this season. So that dude must be shaken up. Because <laughs> he had the big one at Spa. Yeah. And I know he's had a couple others, and now this one just straight plowed straight into the wall. There was nothing he could do. He was on the brakes. Couldn't slow it down. Yeah. Um, well, once you lose that outside grip, you're screwed. Like yeah. that's 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 the only thing holding you into that corner, right? Oh yeah, and it crested too. So there's a slight crest. Oh, and then and the car probably lost weight. Essentially. Yeah, he was yeah. on the grass. And then as soon as he hit the pavement, it was already locked up anyway and going way too fast. Okay. So, uh, not a great moment, but yeah, the race was interesting. It was a typical IMSA race. It had some stuff going on, but um, in the end, uh, Meyer Shank got the win, kind of redemption after you know the whole debacle at the beginning of the season. Um. So another different manufacturer winning in IMSA. So so is that seven now? Well, I guess all the manufacturers have won a race technically. Oh, okay. But um, you know, it's not like somebody's dominating. They have some pretty has, good. Has parody. Porsche actually been awarded the race win? I guess because technically so they haven't won a race yet. No, they did. They won uh, in uh, Long Beach. Okay. After uh, the Conamanolta went in the wall. Okay. 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 Yeah. Um, shows you how much I like Long Beach. <laughs> it's like a repressed memory it's for you. Street circuit, man. You're just like, what are you talking about? That happened. When was that? You want to uh, talk about street circuits? <laughs> no, I did not. We have <laughs> talked about them ad nauseum, and we say the same things every time. I hate them. <laughs> it's the hill I will die on. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, yeah. I mean, the short format doesn't really lend itself to IMSA's uh safety cars either uh we had a few safety cars because of those incidents and some other ones and uh, i really felt like it ate into the race a little bit do they have they've got the same essentially 12 hour policy safety car on a two and a half yeah, hour it's, race it's the everybody goes around the pits are closed then the pits are open and it takes like literally a half hour for a safety car yeah which you know in a two and a bit hour race is not it's not gonna fly it's not great yeah um but yeah other than that um it was a good race overall um, what do you, what do you think about the the idea of closing pits based on classes? I I almost kind of like the the chaos, right? Like you have a pit speed limiter; they can only go so fast. Sure, one car can accelerate out of their pit box faster See, than another, but what? Why? Why are we separating this based on class? Because it goes back to Le Mans and the issue that they have because the track is so large and they're trying to get everybody to go around because they're trying to get them all in order. 
and if you go into the pits, it screws up them trying to get everything Fine. in order. That's your problem as a team, right? I agree. I I, I do not think that the way that they're doing it since, now. Since when is track strategy thrown out the window and said, "Oh well, we're just we're going to strategize for you." But that's what I'm saying. They they've made the caution period so complicated. Like I understand the idea of not wanting to put somebody a lap down. Like that doesn't make sense for anybody. It doesn't make sense for the fans. It doesn't make sense for the teams that are competing. You know, I get that. But there's got to be a better way to do it than closing the pits and then now the pits are open. Blah 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 blah. Leave them open. That's I. Yeah. I don't understand why we have to overcomplicate this. I mean, maybe I'm being ignorant, but leave them the hell open. If you want to take the risk of trying to pit around the same time as a bunch of GT cars, and now you have to fight through 15 of them because you think that your tires and fuel are that valuable, that's your own decision. Yeah. I, I don't understand that. Like, make it a quick uh, a quick caution. Get the car cleaned up. Get the safety barrier fixed if that's what it takes or mm-hmm. what it, whatever there may be, debris cleaned up. Do that as quick as possible and get back to racing. Yeah. I, I think you could do it very easily. If See, here's the other thing, too. The whole point of the safety car is it's supposed to pick up the leader, right? Yeah. So why not just have two safety cars? One that picks up the leader in the prototypes, then one that picks up the leader in the GTs. I I still don't understand why that's even necessary. Because if there's a GT ahead of P1 in the prototypes, he has to he goes around another lap and comes to the back of the field, and whoever is in P2 in the GTs has essentially gone a lap down. No, because it's still uh, they're still technically fighting for the overall win, as far as I'm concerned. So if the GT car is is picked up, if the lead GT car is not leading the race, then he doesn't get picked up by that safety car anyway. Yeah, and, but he, and he funnels back into the field. No, he goes. He goes. It's not the guy who goes around. It's the guy. So let's say P1 and GT is ahead of the P1 in prototype. Yes, and then P2 and GT is behind that prototype. Safety car picks up the prototype. P1 and GT shuffles all the way around the track to the back of the field. Yeah, but why the hell did the safety car pick up the prototype rather than the the GT car that's theoretically leading the race at that moment? No, no, no. He's leading. Let's say, okay. He's leading his class. He's leading his class. Right. Yeah. So how would you do it in that situation to not put that guy a lap down? P2 a lap down. Well, then, yeah, he's going to have to run around, but I, I don't have a problem with running around. I mean, what is running around three minutes but that's why they do all this craziness but i don't think you need that i still feel like it's being overcomplicated because they they try and close the pits to make this open and that open and then this team can come in and that team can come in and 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 you've turned a theoretical five minute safety car max like five minutes of stoppage i'm not talking like of actual race time yep into a 15 or 20 minute debacle because you have the pits closed and then this guy can go in and then that guy can go in and then it's like Guys, just somebody pick up the damn leader, whoever the leader is. It's not that difficult. If somebody has to go around, it's going to take them three minutes. And then you know what? If they get caught out back there because that's the the luck of the safety car, that's the luck of the damn safety car. Like, how many times have we seen it in Formula One where somebody goes and takes a pit and then, boom, safety car pops out. And you're like, yeah, shit, we're screwed. Welcome to racing. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't get why we're trying to... We're we're somehow trying to band aid an issue that doesn't need a band aid. I think it makes sense for multi class like, racing. I, I I think you're breaking a window in order to fix it. 
I see where you're coming from, but I think it makes sense in multi-class racing. But the solution is just to have do ex- do the safety cars the same way you do the start. IMSA has a separate start for the prototypes and a separate start I think, I think for the GTs. Just pick them up the same way. That's fine too. My only problem with that is that you are re-separating traffic. That's the only thing I don't like about it. And I feel like you're going to take just as much time to funnel all the prototypes forward or all the GT cars backwards as you would to just let them all run around behind one safety car. Um, Possibly. I don't think so in actuality, but but I don't know. We'd have to see it in practice. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not a- sure. Anything would be better than the way it is now. It's ridiculous yeah. now. I, it, my, the moral of what I'm getting at, though, is that at the end of the day, I still, regardless of how many safety cars you have, there is no reason to close the pits. Agreed. If you have... If you as a prototype team deem it necessary to take to take into the pits, and this is when all the GT cars are going in as well, that is your own damn risk. Mm-hmm. Also, it just shouldn't be that hard to reshuffle the field. Well, like you said, it, even if you go into the pits, like it shouldn't be that hard to say, hey, you're P3, you're behind this car. Go find that car and go behind him. It, sh- it should be that easy. If, yeah. if, if you intend even, to shuffle the field if, in order. Right, but even that's what I'm saying is even if you... Even if you don't, even if you have the single safety car and you take that risk, it's like that prototype has to fight traffic when they're out on the racetrack. Mm-hmm. So why, as soon as they get into the pits, is it not a thing that they have to fight traffic? Like, why are we eliminating that portion of the race from the race? Yeah. Well, then you sort of enter this loop of like... like because are the, pits, the pits are open all the time for all classes when there's not a safety car. Yeah. So why is it that when there is a safety car... We suddenly remove traffic from the thi- from from as a variable. You're asking the wrong guy. I don't like I, the policy. I, I know, I know. I like, I'm, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm in violent ag- or we're in violent agreement. But yeah. I, it's just it, it drives me nuts because I just I don't I've never understood that it I, it bothered me with Lamont. Like I understand it to some extent with Lamont because it's such a long track, kind of like Nurburgring. Yeah, but they you still gotta, goofed it. It was so much better previously, and then they made it of worse. Course, of How course. do you do that? But still, it's like. On, on these tracks that are no more like I don't know what most sports lap is but even it's the, not that long even the longest normal short endurance race lap is probably two and a half minutes three minutes max for the for these prototypes so yeah. what like come on yeah. you're telling me we can't solve this yeah it's it's silly um but I don't know man I I, I still think the solution is just just do the restarts the same way you do the start of the race. You already have you already have the infrastructure to do that. Clearly, you have those cars that start the the race cars. So, what are they doing when the race is happening? They're just sitting around, you know. Yeah, like I that shouldn't be that hard to do. I have a solution. What? Immediately, as soon as the incident occurs, everyone stops on the racetrack. You mean like a virtual safety car? No, I mean full on stop. Stops. Yep. Clean up the mess, and then you get a green light. Go standing start wherever you were. So many people would gain that. <laughs> like, I'm just gonna get on the brakes gently. Yeah, gently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm stopped. <laughs> Although then that that begs the question: you essentially could do like a red flag oh, procedure. I, 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 this is entirely no. I know, chest, I know, but, but there's no good solution there isn't somebody's gonna get screwed you just have to decide yes, but who's gonna get screwed right and i don't understand why we're artificially screwing people now rather than just having the traditional screwing of oh shit there was an incident well damn we got caught out yeah because that's how it always has been for the history of racing yeah yeah 
Like, only racing series could figure out a way to overcomplicate a yellow flag. (laughs) Like, good God. Are you kidding? Even golf doesn't screw with their hazards. Yeah, no, golf's rules are golf's rules. Although they have changed them recently. They have, and which they're, I'm they're, not happy about. Oh, they're real bad. They're, yeah. they're real bad. They, they they did it for, I think, the right reasons, but they're they're bad. Yeah. Like, I won't follow them. I So I played in a tournament not too long ago, and I had to tell the guys. Or the I wouldn't take game. advantage of these new rules, I should say. You have to. It's not really. It's not an option. Like the new drop rule and stuff like that. What? So I told the guys, I'm like, look, I don't play enough golf anymore. I did not research the rule book beforehand. If you see me doing something completely stupid or about to do something completely stupid, <laughs> please say something. Like, don't be that guy that's yeah. like, oh, I caught you now. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to beat you right now. I'm not, yeah. I, I, I played golf twice this year. <laughs> I am not setting up the, I'm not setting the world on fire. Yeah. But some of the rules, man, like, just they, they have made the game so simple, which is awesome for like day to day golfers. But you want you just want to be like, can we go back to the old like really difficult rules they for changed, the tournament? They changed drop rules. Oh yeah, yeah. You can't. You don't drop from your shoulder anymore. You drop from your knee. What? Yeah. Why? Um, because I, from from my understanding, and any golfers that listen that want to write in and let us know why I'm wrong, feel free to do so. Uh, but from what I understand of the rule changes, the idea was. We are trying to eliminate the when the ball hits the ground from it rotating off of its spot too yeah. far, and then being allowed to place the ball. So players were taking advantage of they were dropping from their shoulder, yeah. and then it's very easy for the ball to mm-hmm. to land outside the tee. Okay, drop again. Land outside the tee. Okay, drop again. Okay, drop one more time. You can't place it now. And now they get a perfect lie after taking a penalty because they were able to place the ball because they were able to gain the system. It's much more difficult for the ball to roll out of its place from your knee than it is from your shoulder. So you got to bend over like a weirdo and drop. Oh yeah. 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 I don't like that at all. You look like, Oh no, no, no. (laughs) You look like you're very vulnerable in prison. Let me put it that way. When you're doing it, it is a weird drop. It's a weird drop. There's, there are some other interesting rules. Like there's some changes to like the way you can drop for out of bounds and stuff like that. Yeah. What do you mean, drop for out of bounds? So you re tee, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, you, from what I understand, you can now go up to where your ball entered out of bounds and play that as essentially your tee shot. So you're one in, two out, three to there, you're hitting your fourth. So it's just a hazard now. No, no, it's still, it's still a significant penalty. What you're saying is, I'll take my tee shot, my second tee shot lands here instead of re teeing. Oh. Yeah, yeah. There's some weird ones. The whole the whole idea is to speed up the game, to try and get like amateurs moving because it does get really slow when they take it seriously. Did it work though? It it supposedly it has for a lot of junior tournaments and stuff like that, and you know like lesser tournaments, if you will. Out of bounds rule. Listen, the the, the college guys, the college guys are the college guys, and the pros are the pros. Like they're they're always gonna be slow. these, These rules were never intended for them, which is why I'm kind of like then why did we implement them yeah, for them? Yeah, that's true. But the the whole point is, like, even golf doesn't screw their rules up so badly and and screw around with things that are so simple. Yeah. It drives me nuts, man. Be like, just... we're You know what? This week, we're going to use a four-inch diameter stick. The cup's only... What? 
how are we? <laughs> yeah. That that is the equivalent of them messing with the the safety flag, yeah. the yellow flag, rather. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is that the way racing operates now, the way you have teams involved and manufacturers and companies, that they probably get pissed off when they get screwed by a rule, in a way that maybe they didn't before when there wasn't a bunch of sponsorship on the car and like businesses, you know, it wasn't really about money as much. So like what we just said earlier about it being run like a business rather than a club. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So that's probably it. Wouldn't shock me. Um, just real quick here. We also had Weck at Monza. I didn't watch that either. Uh, main thing, my, my, my main takeaway, it was nice to see. I, I was slacking on my racing this weekend. Uh, I, I watched was, Formula One and that was it. I, yeah, I was the same way, to be honest. I watched highlights for the other two because I was busy with other stuff. But um, I take solace in the fact that my sim racing career uh, at Monza ended pretty much the same way turn one in the real race did, which is in a big pileup. I was going to say. Not a big pileup, but. <laughs> everybody forgetting that to hit the brakes entering the chicane yeah, that turn, is much sharper than you think it is. <laughs> turn one at Monza is a meme. And uh, even in the WEC race, it was kind of a mess. <laughs> that track, man. I, I, it I would love. I would absolutely. I understand there is a ton of history, and maybe this is blasphemous. Yeah. They have got to revamp the inside of that track. The chicanes are new. Those are not how it used to be. Oh, I know. But the problem is if you go back to how it used to be, you just have a big oval. Yeah, it's a big, straight, weird oval loop on itself thing. Yeah, it's like a big L. It was a terrible track with a bunch of history. It was a cool track when they had this huge embankment. It was a scary track with the embankment. Yeah, exactly. So if you could figure out a way to re-implement that, cool. But it's like... They they really need to get rid of these chicanes and just add some actual proper corners, and I get maybe that diminishes the history of it. But the chicanes were never a part of the history anyway. Like, go ahead and revamp that. I actually saw a video on Instagram of people running Monza without the chicanes. Two thumbs up was fantastic to watch in Formula One. No, it was like I think it was GT racing. Okay, or something. It was a smaller but, series. But then it was just what. One sweeping right hander. No, I think and then they a sweeping still left did. hander, and then a sweeping right hander, and then another sweeping right hander, and you're done. Like it's literally four corners. I got to go back and look at it, but no, okay. it's like where they had the chicanes. It wasn't so much a chicane. They just sort of. It was just a turn, not a chicane. If that makes sense, mm. I'll have to go back and look at it, and I'll send okay. it to you if I find it. Okay. But I watched that, and I was like. Yeah, that that needs to be the standard. Let's get rid of the chicanes, please. Okay. Chicanes are the worst. Also, chicanes you can't pass in when they're that tight. All they do is slow everybody down what, and cause when accidents. When they're that tight, I'm not even sure cars are meant to fit through that. Yeah. Turn, like, that's yeah. two parking spots that were just accidentally put perpendicular to each other. Yeah. So, I mean, to be fair, it wasn't that bad. Um, it was just a couple cars getting into each other. But it, it's always kind of funny to see that... It is just that corner design that's bad. Um, but, yeah, the rest of the race, uh, obviously Ferrari coming off the win from Le Mans. Yeah. Um, obviously, they had a lot of support from the fans, and they did lead the race for a little bit. But uh, in the end, it was Toyota that got the victory. Yeah, yeah, very sad. But um, still a good showing. I think uh, Peugeot had their first podium in third okay. place, and then the Ferrari was in second. So. Second place, still got to celebrate for the uh, Italian yeah, I, fans. Yeah, I, I would like to see Ferrari win it. I always root for Ferrari at Monza. Of course, everybody does. If, if you don't root for Ferrari at an Italian race, 
there's something wrong with you. Yeah. I, I'm not as inclined to root for Ferrari at Imola as I am at Monza. Monza just That's feels fair. right. Like, it's yeah. just like, yes, you need to win here. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, it was another one of those six-hour races. Are you supposed to root for McLaren at, at, at uh No, because every Imola? Formula One. No, no at, Im- at Imola. At Imola? Is that, is, that a, is that a bad thing? Like, don't do that. Why? Why are you saying that? Senna. He was racing for Williams at the time. Oh, he was. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah, I do the same. I associate him with the McLaren. Yeah, I forget about the Williams days. I do. That was when like the Williams entirely. had that crazy suspension too. The hydraulic. Uh, oh yeah, I know. What yeah, you're where talking it could about do now. like yeah. the worm. Yeah. Um. I, man, I miss those old like trial days of Formula One where they had the two different brake pedals as well. Like you had the yeah. the. All sorts yeah. of stuff yeah. in Formula One, and now it's just like. All that gets remembered is the fan car, which is cool, but it's like Man. there was so many other ridiculous things in Formula One that were well, like the Terrell, sneaky bending the Terrell six-wheeled car. Yeah. Uh, my f- my favorite humble uh, F1 tech thing was, uh, I think it was McLaren one of the years, they came out for testing, and they had these two like fins on, on the, like in the air intake part of the car. Yeah. And they were fast. And they were the only car with these like like fin things, and so everybody thought it was these fin things. It was a total bluff. Their car was just good. <laughs> they knew it was good, so they came to the test with these stupid things. So that people were like, oh, let's look into these stupid things, spend time testing and trying it out and developing it. Total bluff. That's they didn't amazing. do anything. That's amazing. <laughs> That's. A, I mean, to be honest with you, what what is the last thing that we had? Probably the blown diffuser was like the last like innovation that you could point to as like a singular thing that increased yeah. performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because everything else has been regulation driven. Yeah. You know, the wider tires, we got more arrow, different arrow. Um, but there's nothing Nobody's really doing it. like now it's, uh, it's a big deal. If somebody's running a wider wing now. Now it's, it's like... now it's just complication. You know, it's like when you paint them into such a box, the only thing they can do is dive deeper down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And so that's what they're doing. And I think it was illustrated I think it was Monica where we saw the bottom of one of the, or at least some point in the season we got to compare the bottom of a Williams to the bottom of a Red Bull. Yeah. And the difference. Very different. The difference is complication. Yeah. You know, and um, that's just time and money. You know, now it's not so much ideas because they're they're just penned into a box. Right. But um. Yeah, back to the WEC race. It was, uh, you know, from the highlights, it seemed like a WEC race. You know, there was. Some LMP2 carnage. Was it better than the IMSA race? Or no. Did, was IMSA better again? No. I don't know what it is about the IMSA cars. They just seem like they're on it more than the WEC series. The WEC series seems somewhat tame to me. Yeah. I don't know if that's just perception, but the IMSA series feels like people have their elbows out and they're really going for it. Yeah. I get I get the same feeling. So, yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um. So, yeah. It was... Um, I don't know. It seemed okay. I kind of wish I could have watched the whole thing, but... You know, I'm sure the terrible uh, coverage that we get here would have only been the last hour of the race anyway. Yeah. So. But, yeah, anything else you want to touch on? Not that I could think of, no. I okay. mean, like I said, we got Toronto this weekend for Indy and then Hungary next weekend for Formula One. And I, I will tell you right now, I'm much more excited for Formula One than I am for IndyCar yeah. coming up because Hungary's the best race on the grid every year. Yeah, it's and, always been my favorite. And it feels like we got this nice setup with McLaren and some of the other teams gaining some speed. Yeah. Um, that we might see. And also, like, are they really going to be able to break the record of 11 consecutive wins? Like, this is, odds this is, are they can't. So somebody else should win, This is theoretically. This is the one track that could throw the wrench in it. Because the next one, I think, is Spa. 
Mm. And then we have the summer break. And no one's beating Red Bull Spa. Not this year. Yeah. That's true. Fastest car, best arrow. What is yeah. what do you need at Spa? Fastest car, best arrow. <laughs> like easy win. Yeah, to be fair, that formula's also worked at every other track too, so in the history of racing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair. All right, then we'll uh we'll shut it down here. Um Thank you for listening. If you want to follow us, it's Motorsports in Focus on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And we'll see you next time. And we're back again. Back to... Oh, start it over. <laughs> you sure? Yeah. I feel like we can just roll it. <laughs>